Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Sunbury Motors, North 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. Good afternoon, everybody. It is the Steve Jones Show on a Tuesday. A victory, first victory of the year for Chickalemi Boys Basketball. A thriller in front of their home crowd. Full throat for in front of their entire student body. That was a fun one to listen to as the Braves hang on 54-52. to We'll have the podcast up a little bit later uh, from the broadcast earlier today on WKOK. Today's show here on the Steve Jones Show brought to you by Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury, Sunbury Motors Kia, Routes 11 and 15, Hummel's Wharf, and online at sunburymotors.com. Steve will soon talk to us from the Sunbury Motors studio. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury, Sunbury Motors Kia, Routes 11 and 15, Hummel's Wharf, and online at sunburymotors.com. Ford, Kia, Hyundai, great selection of new and pre-owned inventory, and whichever route you go, Sales staff is there for you, and not just there for the sale. And there's many awesome technicians ready to serve you in the service department with the diagnostics, the inspections, all the routine maintenance, all part of the Sunbury Motors guarantee. And many of those awesome technicians, well, they're looking for more because more business means more help is needed. So they're looking for entry-level or experienced technicians to work in their quick lean, Car light truck service, heavy truck service, body frame and alignment, and towing departments. So whether you got that good old experience, looking for your first job, or you're just looking for a career change, SMC would love to hear from you. Stop by in person, apply online at sunburymotors.com, or you can call Todd at 286-7746. All at Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury, Sunbury Motors Kia, Routes 11 and 15, Humble's Wharf, and online at sunburymotors.com. Another loaded show today. Scott Lobber from the Philadelphia Inquirer at 335 today as we continue to break down the big signing of Trey Turner for the Phillies yesterday. 11 years, 300 mil. That's at 335. Then we'll have Neil Kulong from SI.com on Steelers. And the Ravens Steelers have quietly won two straight now, both on the road before the big home game against the Ravens this week. So we'll talk to him about that. And Chris Solari is back with us from the Detroit Free Press to talk Big Ten and all things uh, Michigan State. Always good to hear from him, too. So we got a big loaded show coming up here today on that. And speaking of the Steelers-Ravens, so a new wrinkle to watch for this Sunday at Acrisure Stadium as it was revealed today by John Harbaugh that Lamar Jackson has a sprained PCL, which is typically a one- to three-week injury. And he said, quote, 
less likely for Lamar Jackson to play Sunday versus the Steelers. So that is a big one to keep an eye on there if the Ravens don't have Lamar Jackson to go. Because suddenly the AFC North's a little bit interesting because you have the Ravens still leading right now at 8-4. and four. You have the Bengals also waiting for with the big win against Cincy. And they, I saw their schedule the rest of the way, Cincinnati. They have a pretty favorable schedule the rest of the way. So that's interesting. And of course, the Steelers, despite being 5-7, and seven, they've won two in a row now on the road quietly. And they are still in the thick of it somehow with the playoff hunt. They're two games behind a wild card spot. And if you win this game, then you, I guess, technically, mathematically stay alive for the division. But those are two good wins in a row for the Steelers on the the road. And now we'll we'll see what happens here. You'll probably face a Lamar Jackson-less Ravens team on Sunday. So that'll be interesting to talk to Neil about today. This also came down to the Titans after Sunday's beatdown to the Eagles have now fired GM John Robinson. <laughs> I, I, it, it doesn't... The, the timing is just curious because, of course, everyone saw what A.J. Brown did to the Titans. Over 100 yards in the air, two touchdowns, and both were just brilliant catches. And, you know, Mike Vrabel, of course, was against trading away A.J. Brown, but John Robinson did it anyway. If it really had to deal with the trade, if I'm a Tynets fan, my question is, well, why is this happening now and not after the trade was made? Maybe hindsight's 2020 a little bit now that you saw the damage that A.J. Brown has done this season overall for the Eagles and against the Titans in particular. Uh, there, there you are deflecting from Aaron Judge. You know, I don't know. Still nothing yet on that, too. There's nothing? No. How about the Time Magazine article? Well, that I didn't see. (sighs) In terms of waiting for the actual... uh, I mean, I know he was at the Bucks game last night repping uh, Mike Evans' jersey, which is a total violation, by the way. Why? He can rep whatever jersey he wants. What's wrong with that? I mean, it's not like it's a direct... It's not like it's a direct uh, rival of the Giants or the Jets, but I, I just... I never think that's a good look for any athlete. Well, for one thing, he's a free agent. He's not affiliated with anybody. He's not a member of the New York Yankees right now. Yeah, but it, it, ain't, it ain't done until he, he signed he, the dotted line in any case. He is not a member of the New York Yankees yeah. right now. He's not a member of any team. He and his wife are going to Hawaii, by the way. For, you know, they're going to go for a couple of weeks. Uh, he is not in San Diego. Uh, no, the Time Magazine article where he expresses how upset he is with the Yankees uh, over the fact that when when he rejected the contract, they released what the offer was. He felt like, excuse me, you're trying to make me look bad here. 
which is exactly what the Yankees were doing. They were trying to make him look bad. Hey, look, you know, you don't you don't negotiate that way. You just don't do that. And and you know, and they, and they released it was what was it two hundred thirteen million? Yeah, for for yeah. eight years. Right for eight years. Just say hey, oh, we made it. We made him a generous offer. We'll we'll go back to the negotiating table. We'll do whatever we got to do. But you don't tell everybody what the number was. Yeah, no, I I, I can't that. blame him for that. Yeah, you, and you yeah, Cashman gets that. two extra years now. Brilliant. This has nothing to do with Cashman. This has to do with Steinbrenner. I keep telling you over and over again. This is a Steinbrenner thing. This is not a Cashman thing. Hey, if this is George Steinbrenner, it's done. Hal Steinbrenner is far more economical uh, in most of what he does with the Yankees compared to his father. Okay, and and, and that's and that's not a knock, by the way. There, there had there with the Yankees, there does have to be a happy medium. All right, there is you know a happy medium somewhere. Um, but he's not. Uh, we'll see what they want to do in the end. But he was not happy that they released that. Nor should he be. Yeah, totally I mean, get any, that. And, and I'm talking like any. I don't care whether you're sitting there and you are a union member uh, that's with the Teamsters, and they're releasing what this is what we offer them. You're sitting there like you can't do that. Don't tell the world what we're getting. You can't. You can't do that. You can't operate that way. Well, and if he leaves, then we have nobody to blame but the owner himself. Now that we know who's been behind all this. Well, I'm saying though, in the I've been telling you the whole time. No, no, I I, I I knew that, but I didn't. I I still things still Cashman still is basically his puppet sometimes when it comes to these things. So you still don't but know sometimes every, who releases every, these things. You know who was coming every, from. Every general manager. All of them are at the mercy of what ownership tells them to do, no matter what. So, okay, so just take something simple like our organization. Kevin runs a lot of things, right? Yes. Okay? And Kevin does a great job, right? But it doesn't mean that if Roger, as the owner, says, hey, Kev, I think we ought to do this, right? And there, there could be some back and forth, but in the end... What Roger says is what we're going to do because he's the owner. And it's up to Kevin to execute it, right? I mean, and that's just a simple business model, and that's how it is in Major League Baseball. Brian Cashman may be the guy that's out front. He's the GM. He's making moves, the whole thing. But when it comes to something like this, how much money do you pay a guy? Brian Cashman doesn't walk up and go, you know what, I think we're going to give you $400 million. And the owner says, hey, whoa, wait a minute. <laughs> Do, I don't remember signing off on that. And that you know, that's what it comes down to. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's adorable. Brian had a great game against the Titans. Good for him. Good. Um, he should. He's a great player. And Brown is a great player, by the way. To his credit, he is a terrific, powerful fast wide receiver. Uh, what a difference he's made. What would worry me if I'm an Eagles fan is seeing Lamar Jackson get hurt. 
that would worry me. Because that's the scenario you are really desperately trying to avoid if you're if you're Philadelphia. Where suddenly, you know, Tyler, you know, suddenly Huntley's your backup quarterback. Your backup quarterback is is it is it still Minshew? Yep, is he still, still Minshew, still Minshew mania. Right. Yeah, guess what? You know, he's a quarterback. You're not in first place anymore. Um, you got a big problem. See, good backup quarterbacks in the NFL fill the breach for usually a couple games where you just you feel comfortable. It's good. Look at the job, for example, Cooper Rush did with Dallas. But there's also a shelf life on a backup quarterback, which, again, we go back to Cooper Rush in Dallas. There's a shelf life. And part of the, you know, and you saw that with Nick Foles. As much as you love Nick Foles, Nick Foles was able to fill the breach when Wentz got hurt. But when it came time, you know, the Super Bowl is the last good game he's played, right? I mean, that's the last good game Nick Foles has played. I mean, I, I thought he, I thought he played fairly well when he had to fill in for once again during the playoff run in eighteen. Mm. But I mean, I mean, I don't. But he's never going to top what he did in the Super Bowl. You're right about that. Yeah. Again, he's a good quarterback. Uh, I mean, look at San Francisco. Uh Brock Purdy. Oh boy. Now we're going to find out how great Kyle Shanahan really is. <laughs> Here you go, Kyle. You're down to your third guy. He's looking around. He's looking over to D'Amico Ryan saying, save me. <laughs> if you could save me, that'd be great with your defense. But, yeah, your guy, Judge, you know, he's just, you know, no deal. He's really holding up the whole process for everybody. This is your guy. And when it came time to, you know, for the Yankees to do a little uh, negotiating, nah. They let out the offer the first time through, and guess what? The guy's ticked off at him. <laughs> right? Plus, in the playoffs, you know, he got, they booed him. Well, that is what it is there, but... No, 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 no. You're not in the playoffs unless he's there. Oh, I know. I know. I didn't say I, 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 didn't say I would I would have booed him. in the playoffs if he is not in your lineup. I know. What, do you think Giancarlo Stanton's going to get you there? No. Cut me a break. There's no question. Which is why Ooh. if the Yankees botch this up, which Ooh. looks like they're on the verge of doing... Then this is going to be one of the worst debacles in franchise history. Well, they've got a lot of holes, though. They've got a lot of holes. They, yeah, they uh, still do, regardless. But still, they they do along the way. Uh, so that's you know, uh, and that and but the key is the Yankees have like let's take let's say Judge goes to the Giants. Okay, the Giants have holes they have to fill, and guess what? The Giants don't have that the Yankees do have. The Giants do not have a deep farm system. The Yankees do. The Yankees' farm system is loaded with some pretty good guys. All right. Um, 
This is what we're working on. Somebody had to work on on somebody on the show here. Uh, Bill Riley, the play-by-play voice at Utah, is going to join us, I think, next week. Now, this is an exchange for me being on his show. <laughs> okay. Um, we got Scott Lauber today, Neil Kulong today, Chris Soleri tomorrow, Adam Brenneman tomorrow. Then next week we'll get Bill Riley on the show, the Utah play-by-play voice. And you know what? I'll just send a quick text out. We'll get Jack Ham on the show next week. How about that? So what do you plan on doing as the producer of the show? I had a couple of guests up my sleeve. They just hadn't worked out yet. Yeah, yeah, okay. (laughs) Okay. Yeah, that's right. Okay. And I I think I'll be reaching out to our buddy Jerry Dulac later in the week. I'm just kidding. Yeah. Just joking. I mean, give the Steelers credit. I mean, thank goodness they are playing the uh, NFC South. The Steelers are 3 and 0 against the NFC South. They're 2 and 7 against everybody else. Here on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Mm-hmm. When car repairs get difficult. Well, I, I just don't know. Um, me neither. We get good. Sunbury Motors. More than quality new and used cars, Sunbury Motors specializes in complicated auto repair diagnosis. They can handle intricate repairs and even complete auto body with service open Monday through Friday, 7 till 4. And Sunbury Motors has made simple repairs easy. Maintaining your vehicle is necessary. Finding the time to do it is difficult. Welcome to Sunbury Motors Quick Lane. Open 7 till 4, Monday through Friday. Just walk in or call ahead. Relax in their remodeled waiting room with Wi-Fi, beverages, and snacks. Will Sunbury Motors factory train techs take care of your oil change, tire alignments, brakes, and inspections. Quick Lane, 6.30 to 6, Monday through Friday, Saturday, 6.30 till 2. Sunbury Motors, Ford and Hyundai, North 4th Street, Sunbury. And Sunbury Motors, Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. We take the... Mm. Out of auto repair. I mean, maybe he goes to the Giants. I mean, what's next? Portugal's not going to play Ronaldo? Oh, wait. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. Whoops. (laughs) My apologies on that one. (laughs) All right. So, yeah, next week we'll get Bill Riley on from Utah. We'll get Jack Ham on next week. I think that'll help preview the game. What do you think? Yeah, that should put us in good shape. Yeah. All right. Today's show brought to you by Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury, Sunbury Motors Kia, Routes 11 and 15, Almost Wharf, and online at sunburymotors.com. Here on News Radio 1070 WKOK. By the way, I'll probably may also ask Jack about the 50th anniversary of the uh, Immaculate Reception. Taking your calls at 800 795 9565. This is The Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. Great to have you with us on the show today, sponsored by a good friends at. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15, Hummel's Wharf, online 
sunburymotors.com. Scott Lauber joins us. Uh, Scott, great to have you back. Appreciate your time very much. Hey, how are you? Doing great, Scott. So Trey Turner. Yeah. Yeah, this is obviously, you know, the Phillies looked at shortstop. Now, how much did it help that he had the relationship that he does with Bryce Harper? Well, it didn't hurt, you know, uh, and and it wasn't just Bryce Harper. Um, He has a a good relationship with Kevin Long, the hitting coach. He had what you might consider his two best seasons, at least offensively, uh, with the Nationals while Kevin Long was the hitting coach there. So there's history there as well. Uh, There's geography that played a part. Um, Turner is from Florida. His wife is from New Jersey. Uh, There was a perception, at least, that he preferred the East Coast over the West Coast. Um, And all of those things will be things that we get a chance to ask him about when the deal is completed and he comes to Philadelphia and has a news conference. But, look, at the end of the day, Um, None of those things matter a whole lot if the Phillies hadn't made a uh, $300 million offer over 11 years. And um, while I was told yesterday that it was not the highest offer, that he had a higher offer on the table from the San Diego Padres, uh, it was close enough. And and close enough, I guess, with all of those other factors um, pointed to Philadelphia for him. So certainly a lot of connections there that definitely helped it along but if the offer has not been competitive um i don't think he was gonna he was gonna forgo that to come here for those connections are the phillies done at the winter meetings now that they have turner uh no um because they still need a lot of pitching and uh and you know we're talking about middle of the rotation and back of the bullpen kind of thing so uh, not not a not a top of the rotation guy or anything like that that's going to make huge headlines. The Turner signing is their biggest move of the off season, uh, but they have a lot of business left to do. I, I counted it up, and you know they have six free agent pitchers, uh, two of whom Zach Eflin and Kyle Gibson have already moved on to other teams. Uh, Noah Syndergaard, David Robertson, Brad Hand, and Corey Knable, and between those six pitchers. Uh, they logged 411 innings last year. So that's 411 innings that mm-hmm. the Phillies need to replace. Not all of it will come internally. So they're, they're going to need to go out there and find some pitching uh, to help them. And that's kind of what their focus is on now and kind of what they pivoted to. I don't know if they'll find it before the end of these meetings. They end tomorrow. But uh, that, that's next on their, uh, on their list. Drove in 100. Uh, we know he has speed. The reputation he has, and you tell me if what you, what you understand versus what I've understood, is that he hits mediocre to bad pitching and just kills it, but does struggle against better pitching. What is what's the rep as you understand it? You're talking about Turner, right? Turner, yes. Yeah, no, I mean, I I haven't dug deeply enough into that to know, um, honestly, and I haven't heard that per se from people I've talked to uh, about him um, you know he's he's what's attractive or appealing about Turner is the speed power combination right so he's yeah, a right. he's usually a 2020 guy and those are in short supply and there are things to like about a 29 year old shortstop with a lot of speed who uh, is going to be put now into a situation with bigger bases and more running in the game and more action in the game That's next true. year 
there are reasons to like the way he might age as a 29-year-old shortstop uh, going on 30. So, you know, those are the reasons to like him. The reasons to have some pause are, you know, it's an 11-year contract, right? So yeah. it's, it's going to take him through through age 40 uh, by the time it's over. Um, and you, you know that he's not going to be a shortstop that entire time. He's going to probably have to move to, you know, second base or, or maybe even center field or third base or somewhere else off of shortstop. So how many years do you get of the 11 as, uh, of Trey Turner as a shortstop? And how much value does he have once you have to move him off of that position? You know, does he lose some value? I'll tell you this. After talking to John Middleton last night, had a chance to talk to him on the phone, pretty clear that you, you know the Phillies are not concerned about 2030 um, and if Trey Turner is not a shortstop in 2030 that's fine with them uh, especially mm-hmm. if they have a couple of World Series trophies to show for it so I mean I think they feel like he's going to be a shortstop for a little while still and if they get four or five six more years of him at shortstop and win a couple of World Series they'll, they'll take some of the, the loss of value at the back end of the deal um, for what they were able to get in the front end. So they're clearly going for it. They're going for it within the next, you know, three, four, five years to try to win as many World Series as they can. What happens now with Bryson Stott? Is it second base or does he move? No, it's second base. That's the plan. They, they like Stott a lot. And they also know that uh, they need players. Um, they need homegrown young players at the lower end of the salary spectrum right in order to make this thing work so you can have a roster with five twenty million dollar plus per year players if you have you know homegrown guys at the other end uh who are who are producing and 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 contributing for you so Stott's one of those guys They, they like him a lot they think that there's a lot of growth in there they still see him as a potential leadoff guy or top of the order type guy down the road so uh they'll move him to second base and um and, and I think be pretty happy with the fact that they have a controllable young player at, you know, close to minimum salary playing next to Trey Turner. Any thoughts about the numbers being thrown around? $86 million for Verlander. DeGrom got a gigantic contract, even though you have as many innings pitched in the last five years as he does. Uh, $300 million for Trey Turner. Is uh, that just become the norm in your mind, or are you surprised by the numbers we're seeing? I think... I'm never surprised. I'm never surprised. Yeah, um, somebody told me a, a long time ago that all it takes is one team, right? So right. you might hear early in the off season, you might hear an agent or you might hear whispers uh, from an agent or a player saying, like, here's what we're looking for. And you might say to yourself, and I know this has happened many, many times since I started covering baseball in 2006, you hear something like that and you think to yourself, well, that's crazy. You'll never get that contract. And all it takes is one team to go give it to him, and that's what he gets. And so there's always the one-team philosophy, never, ever leaves me surprised with what anybody gets. What is a little bit, I don't know if disturbing is the right word, um, unsettling maybe, is that uh, there's really not a ton of teams that are making these deals with players. Like, right. Jacob DeGrom gets the contract he got from a team in Texas that's trying to spend money and win. Verlander right. goes to the Mets. We know they like to spend money. Turner goes to the Phillies. I mean, Middleton's been pretty clear about what he's willing to do. You know, the Yankees, if they don't, you know, they're either going to sign Aaron Judge, or if they don't sign Aaron Judge, they're going to make a big strike for somebody else 
um, you know, it's it's the same teams over and over again that are spending the big money, and it's the same teams. You know, I often wonder like what it would be like to come to these meetings and cover the Pirates, you know, yeah. like or cover the cover the Royals. Why even attend? Because you know that that, that the team is not going to make a big move or make a big signing, and that's got to be frustrating to the fan bases. That's got to be frustrating to you know to people who live in those places that their teams just are not their ownerships are not willing to uh to compete with the big boys and um so that's the only part of it i think that you know you walk away from these things every year and you say well why is it always the same teams over and over again and why are those you know it's no secret that those are the teams that end up in the postseason they don't always win it but they're the teams that end up being the most competitive and it's the other teams that are not so uh that's the only part of this that's a little bit you know unsettling or disappointing or whatever you want to however you want to put it yeah i put it as disconcerting where you just yeah i just sit there and i look at it and i agree with you scott and you really only have to cover eight teams and the other 22 i mean texas is desperate so they made that move okay i got that part but if you're covering somebody else yeah why bother i mean that's that's you know i mean the pirates yeah, you know, and, and like I mean, you know, Santana's their big, their big signing. What are you going to do? Make him the uh, Grand Marshal of the parade? <laughs> right, right, exactly. You know, and 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 that's and that's why it's you know it feels like not everyone's playing in the same in the same league, and and um, you know that's a problem for baseball because you'd like to think that in the majority of the thirty cities, and it's not going to happen in all thirty every year, but in the majority of the thirty cities on opening day, fans think they have a chance their team has a chance to win and right. and that's not the case in you know i haven't sat down and counted them up but that's not the case in a good number of of markets you can't legitimately sit there on opening day and say you know my team has a chance to win the world series now you know things happen and you know if we talked about and i think we did on uh, you know on june 3rd when the phillies fired joe girardi if if you talked to any phillies fan and said you know how do you feel about your team you probably wouldn't have found any that said they have a chance to win the World Series, and they got to Game right. Six. So things happen, right. uh, and surprises happen. But you know, the Phillies also, you know, were probably the most expensive, you know, underdog team in a World Series, whatever, right? Like how many yeah. two hundred and forty million dollar payrolls are underdogs in a World Series? Um, you know, they were built to win, and they ended up they ended up winning, even if it was in a roundabout way. So, uh, you know, if you were to tell a Pirates fan or a Royals fan or a Tigers fan that their team's going to be in the World Series, there's there's really no chance, and it, it won't happen. Has the free agency component at the moment, especially with Aaron Judge being at the front of it, has that in some ways, for the moment, put a pause on, on making trades? Because now you want to see who you get in a free agent, then what do I need in a trade? Is Has that been the pattern you're seeing? I think so to a certain extent. You know, I think it's it's generally put a bit of a drag on the market as a whole. Like, yeah. I came here thinking, came here Sunday thinking, like Aaron Judge, and I wrote this that Aaron Judge would be the first position player domino to fall, right? Because right, you know, it's it seemed like so he's a unique player, number one, and you know there were there are four elite shortstops that were free agents this year, but there were four of them. You know, and, and Aaron, there are not four Aaron judges, so that he was a unique player. And number two, the market for him seemed to be a lot smaller. It's the Yankees, it's the Giants, primarily. Maybe it's the Dodgers on a on a shorter term, higher average annual value kind of deal. But there aren't a ton of teams lining up for Aaron Judge the way there are for these shortstops because there are more of them. 
So I kind of thought, well, once Aaron Judge, the domino, the Aaron Judge domino falls, like let's say the Yankees re-sign him. Now the Giants jump into the shortstop market, right? And maybe Mm -hmm. Correa goes or something like that. Um, I think the reason Turner uh, wound up going was because he got an 11-year, $300 million deal that was sitting there for him. And he had two teams in the Phillies and the Padres that were willing to to sort of bid one another up and see and see what happens. So, um, you know, I, I think and, and I think there was a perception out there that of the four shortstops, Turner was either the best or was going to get the most money or, you know, whatnot. So, I think that was unique in, in and of itself um, that there were two teams that were pretty aggressive uh, on that on that front. And the Phillies, let's say this, I mean. The Phillies had a very, very specific need. They had a need for a shortstop, and there were four of them to choose from. And my experience covering Dave Dombrowski since his Red Sox days has been that when he can identify a very specific need for his club, he does not wait around. He likes to be aggressive, and he likes to do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, he did it with David Price very early in the offseason with the, with the Red Sox when he needed it sure in 2016. Yep. And he's done it here with the shortstop. So... You know, there was that element of it, too. But, yeah, I do. I think that you, you asked about Judge. I think that it's kind of holding up the other shortstops a little bit. And it's probably holding up the trade market because if, you, if you're the Giants, for instance, and you don't get Aaron Judge, you've got to go find that big piece somewhere else. And whether it's a shortstop or a major trade for somebody, you've got to look in other areas. So, yeah, I do think that once that, once that piece is completed and we know where Aaron Judge is going to play um, – we'll see things move a lot more quickly. And what's interesting about that is is that, except for the Time Magazine article, Judge doesn't talk, his right. agent doesn't talk, the Yankees don't talk, and the Giants don't talk. They, there's nobody talking. I mean, right. So from a reporter's point of view, that's not a big help, Scott. <laughs> no, no, no. And take it from, from someone who covers the team that is very good about uh, – uh, not leaking anything and not talking, um, that's very frustrating as a reporter because all you're trying to do is kind of get a, kind of get a, a, you know, read the, read the tea leaves a little bit or get the temperature of what's going on so that you're not, you know, misleading anyone or you're as accurate as possible or, you know, you're not, you're not, um, you know, you're not wildly off base. I can't tell you how many times I've said, like, okay, if I write this, you know, you don't have to tell me what's going on, but if I write this, am I completely off base? And just, you know, you just don't want to be led astray. And, you know, you hope that behind the scenes, maybe in, in, the, in the judge thing, that some of that is going on. But we don't know, because as you said, like, nobody is, nobody's been real public about, about that. I, I just sort of walked away from an area of the meetings a little while ago where Scott Boris was holding court for his, you know, for for many of us, and, and he's one of the few agents who does do that at these things where he doesn't necessarily tell you anything, but he's willing to talk about his clients, and it's just good It's just good to get their names out there from his perspective. So, um, But it also gives you a chance to ask him questions, and um, that's a good give and take to have as a reporter. It's always great to talk with you, Scott. Great work, as always, keeping everybody informed. We appreciate you. Thanks, Steve. Talk to you soon. Scott Lauber, Philadelphia Inquirer. Neil Kulong next half hour. Great to have you with us today. Tomorrow, Chris Soleri, Detroit Free Press on Michigan State basketball. They play the Nittany Lions tomorrow night at 6.30 in the Jordan Center. Um, at that time, we'll have talked to Santa and the Magic Radio. 
There's that embarrassing picture of the suit attempting to sit on Santa's lap. I'm like, what are we doing here? F-O-U-L-E-D, that spells FAUDA! <sighs> Ever see the uh, TV show reruns Bonanza? Of course, yes. Yes. Michael Landon, the late Michael Landon, told a story about them being in the Tournament of Roses parade. He said, "Did Lauren Green jumps up on his horse, says, I jumped up on my horse, and then Dan Blocker was a big guy, jumped up on his horse, and the horse went, Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> We heard Santa make the same noise. All right, we'll come back with more in a moment here on News Radio 1070 WK. Okay. So how would you like to have Kale Sanderson on the show Friday? We can deal with that. I mean, if you're against it, we'll bag him. No, we have. We should have Kale Sanderson on. Everybody loves Kale. All right. So, so you don't want Kale on? Okay. Uh, good. Uh, <laughs> it was between him and Aaron Judge. Uh, so what do you think? Yeah. So. Uh, We'll throw Kale uh, into Friday's show, if that's okay with you. Perfectly fine with me. Is there anybody else you want me to get? Or... No? We're good. I got the rest. Yeah, so far I got the Utah guy, I got Jack Ham, I got Kale Sanderson, and got Dick Vermeil. What am I supposed to do here? <laughs> you act like I do nothing. <laughs> you got Scott Lobber. That was a good one. Nobody knows what's going on with Aaron Judge. Nobody's talking. Tampa Bay won last night. That was really a lousy game last night. Great ending. I watched the last five minutes of it. You're like, oh, okay, this part's pretty good. The rest of the game. Tampa can't move. And you know what's interesting? interesting. He threw a touchdown pass to uh, Chris Godwin. It looked like it put him in front. And Donovan Smith was called for a holding. Like, one Penn Stater makes a great play on one end, the other Penn Staters call for holding. Darn. But, you know, the Bucks did win it. They're now back at 500. Um. I mean, that's the thing about the Steelers. The Steelers are 3-0 against the NFC South. They, they still have to play Carolina down in Charlotte. They're 2-7 against everybody else. Jeez, that division's bad. But if you win the division, you make the playoffs. The Eagles have no such... Have, have the Eagles clinched a playoff spot already? No, they can with a win or tie this week or losses by San Francisco and Seattle. That's the scenario. Got it. Okay. 
Figured they had to be. What, they're 10-1? and Figured they had to be close. Yeah, 11-1 and now. They had a chance last week, too. They needed a win and yeah. three other losses, So, but that's all right. Right. I mean, I mean, nobody's playing better than they are. And now Brock Purdy's the 49ers quarterback. 